0: this is the dreadful podcast from tv podcast industries and we're talking about lovecraft country the season finale full circle
1: there's got to be another way to stop christina if my life taught me one thing it's that we tell ourselves we have a choice but we don't with george and montrose i never had one they both were a part of my soul And I never should have been scared of that. I can see now all of our love made you. You've got the best parts of both of them. Montrose's fierce heart and George's integrity. You're a hero. Just like in those stories you used to cherish. And a spell. It's gonna change everything, baby. This is a beginning, not an end.
0: Welcome back, fellow Dreadfuls, to TV Podcast Industries and the Dreadful Podcast. Yes, we are moving straight into the finale of Season 1 of Lovecraft Country, and it is full circle. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek. Uh, yeah, the finale of.
2: I'm going to say probably the best show I've seen since Watchmen. Um, this was a fabulous season of the show. Really looking forward to chatting about this final episode where everything does come full circle and every single episode from the season is tied into this
0: finale in some great ways. Yeah, absolutely. They head back to Ardham County mm-hmm. uh, to uh, spell, counter spell, and you name it um, – get it done I suppose yeah
2: exactly exactly Uh,
0: I want to say a huge thank
2: you to all of you who've joined us for our Lovecraft Country coverage Uh, we've mentioned before on the podcast that this kind of came out of nowhere we watched the first episode and went this is great we can't not talk about it so this is actually an additional podcast that we stuck into our schedule just purely because the show was so good so thanks to all of you for sending in your wonderful messages to us of support for the chat that we've been having over the last uh, 10 episodes thanks for all of you that have been emailing us correcting us and giving us information on uh, elements of the show that we didn't recognize or didn't know it's been really really fun uh, getting all of your messages even the ones we haven't read out in the podcast have been great thank you
0: yeah thanks so much fellow dreadfuls uh, it's really been great having you on board mm-hmm. uh yeah it's appreciated so much all the the feedback all the the comments the discussion it's really helped us to become illuminated uh, and really learn uh, more stuff and um, f- through the 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 program that is Lovecraft Country. Mm -hmm, Yeah, really great stuff. Thanks, guys and gals. Absolutely. Speaking of feedback, we got another five-star review over on Apple
2: Podcasts from Love, Bliss, Joy. We know uh, Love, Bliss, Joy is listening to our podcasts about Lovecraft Country, but this feedback is actually about our Penny Dreadful City of Angels podcast that we did earlier on this year, John. Uh, Love, Bliss, Joy says, I've watched the latest series of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. I enjoyed some, but I'm here to give you guys, including Chris, who I think is hilarious, a thumbs up. I've really enjoyed listening listening to this podcast you have another loyal fan to add to your long list you go to so much depth explaining each episode which is great along with as usual your sense of humor stay safe over there in ireland guys blessings lola from liverpool
0: thanks so much lola uh, really great to get your review mm-hmm. um, and thanks for the yeah, for the five-star review, it's really nice to get that feedback through um, and just for your kind words. It's yeah. just really nice, and we, we hope we can uh, measure up uh, with our future podcasts as <laughs> exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. Thanks so for much, sure. Lola. No.
2: <laughs> it's really nice to get uh, to get uh, feedback like that. Really nice to get five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave a, a review for us, just search for either TV Podcast Industries or The Dreadful Podcast or even Lovecraft Country, and uh, our feed should pop up there on any Good or Evil Podcast Catcher, where you can leave us a review.
0: Yes, please subscribe, share us, rate us, leave a review, uh, because, of course, sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Exactly. Uh, And, of course, if you want to support us in any other ways, we also have our Patreon. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries. And with that in mind, uh, a big special thanks to all of... um, our Patreon supporters who have joined us since September the 1st. Uh, a big shout out to Salim Akisler, William Boggs, Donald Dennis, Damian Roberts, Skyrocker, Marianne Morris, and Parthenia Locklear. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice to have you guys uh, on board and supporting us. It really does uh, mean a lot and it really helps us support um, the production of uh, all the podcasts uh, that we do. So a big Thank you uh, to our patron supporters there. Absolutely, I think it's the time of year normally that we renew all of our websites and all of the uh,
2: all of our feeds. Uh, there's obviously a cost involved in that, so thank you so much for helping to support that. We've been going for about six years, so uh, really good to have uh, some support and cover that cost, so we can just get on with the fun. Uh, of chatting about all the shows that we love talking about with
0: our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much to everyone that's supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, a big thank you uh, to all of you who have supported us, whichever way you are supporting us. Mm -hmm. uh, It's really, really nice of you. Um, But let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion of the finale of Lovecraft Country, full circle, Derek. What are some of the episode details? Well, the episode this time was directed by Nelson McCormick. His
2: first episode of Lovecraft Country uh, that he's directed. Done loads and loads of TV shows. I mean, like the list just is goes on for so long. Right back to I think 1995 is when he directed his first uh, his first TV show. Uh, but did direct uh, three episodes of Hunters this year on Prime. Um, a really good show. Really enjoyed that with uh, with Al Pacino. About Nazi Hunters. Uh, Really interesting show. Check that out. I know there's a second season of that coming. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, We spoke about Nelson McCormick before years ago uh, when he directed an episode of season one of Daredevil, episode nine of the season. Wow. Yeah, I think that was the one with the the fight between um, Matt Murdock or Daredevil and uh, and Nobu. Um, So I definitely remember that episode well. So really good. uh, That's a good
0: four years ago, maybe even five. Yeah. (laughs) When we were starting on our Defenders TV podcast run... Uh, which, of course, now is subsumed into TV podcast industries. Exactly. Um, and is A our... Hostile takeover, so, I'm saying, so I might say. Well, exactly. <laughs> but it is our uh, handle for all things Marvel yes. on TV podcast industries, is The Defenders. And hopefully we will be uh, coming up with uh, some more Defenders uh, podcasts with WandaVision coming out um, and, of course, all the other slated TV shows uh, from Marvel mm-hmm. and Disney. Loads, loads of stuff coming up. loads of them uh yeah, but great to have nelson on board for this
2: episode and the writers of this episode once again misha green on writing duties as she has been all the way throughout the season as, as showrunner of the show and the story was written by misha green with of affordier again ayahoma uh, wrote uh, episode eight of the show um jigabobo uh, the whole episode for around d so uh, so back on board with the writing credit for this final episode i know this had a full writer's room where they all worked really collaboratively together on each episode so uh, so i know the the writing credits may not represent everybody that was involved in the writing process of every episode, but, uh, but really cool to have Misha Green so focused. I think I mentioned it earlier on, the episodes call full circle, and this certainly ties back to every one of the nine episodes, I think, uh, right from the beginning. There's some elements uh, pulled out all the way back to there. So, John, do you want to tell
0: us what they gave us with your final summary for season one of Lovecraft Country? Sure. With the Book of Names in their possession, Atticus and Letty begin the incantation to remove the curse from Dee's body, but are pulled through to another place where they are connected to Hannah and Atticus's mum, Dora, who impart their wisdom of magic and their family on them. Removing the curse from Dee, Letty, Atticus, Hippolyta and Montrose set about to disrupt Christina's plans for Atticus. After obtaining the flesh of Titus Braithwaite using the Book of Names, they also enlist Jaya and ask Ruby to obtain the final part of their counterspell, a piece of Christina's body. As the autumnal equinox approaches, the gang return to Ardham County, joined by Ruby, Jaya and Dee to begin their offensive. But their plans are thrown into chaos as Christina has taken the form of Ruby, who lies in a coma back in Chicago. Throwing Letty from the village tower and capturing Atticus with the help of the Ardham locals, Christina, as the moon rises high in the sky, performs her spell on Atticus to become immortal. But as all seems lost, Letty and Jaya come together to connect Atticus with Christina and begin their counter-incantation. In an explosive force of magic, Christina is beaten, but at a terrible cost. The willing sacrifice of Atticus to die ensures that his unborn son, his family and friends are protected, but also the power of magic is removed from the Braithwaite's and white people to the Freemans and black people. In the emotional aftermath of Tick's death, as they get ready to leave Arden County behind, Dee approaches the injured Christina and crushes her neck with her new bionic arm oh
2: yes the bionic arm of Diana I love it we mentioned last episode <laughs> that, uh, that I was reminded of Luke Cage when we saw uh, Letty have the bullets bounce off her when she had her first protection and we have another character from Luke Cage another character very closely associated with Luke Cage uh, Misty yes. Knight um, who does have a bionic arm in the comic books and in the TV show eventually when she uh, finished up season two of Luke Cage she had a bionic arm so here we have two massive black characters from Marvel Comics uh Kind of doing a little translation into Lovecraft country, which I love. They're the proper superheroes of uh, of Marvel comics and and uh, and those shows. So and and those comics. So uh, really cool to see
0: uh, that kind of translation of D into this superhero with her bionic arm at the end. It was just fantastic. um like I was wondering what uh, was in that room that Hippolyta took uh, D2 mm-hmm. to say that she would be able to draw again what was she going to do and here we have the answer the the bionic arm and uh, yeah I mean it also just the fact that she so sort of purposefully crushed uh, the windpipe and the and the neck of Christina mm-hmm. who had lost all her magic and was lying injured under a pile of rubble yeah. uh, after the big um, sort of black blast of magic or blast of black magic, whatever yeah. it was that happened um, in that big finale. Absolutely. Um, I have it to say was it. really, really good. And it did remind me then of... I'm crushing your neck, I'm crushing your <laughs> neck after, I can't remember the name of the show now Kids was, in the Hall, uh, Kids in the Hall yep. uh, a Canadian programme where it was like, I'm crushing your head, I'm yep. crushing your head yep. uh, where they, they would pretend to crush people's heads from uh, far away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With very their fingers. Hard, very hard
2: to describe a comedy sketch on uh, a podcast but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> uh, I love the choice of the director in that scene to, uh, to or maybe the director, maybe in the writing, but just literally as she crushes the neck, like she was dead almost, and then you just see the Absolute massive spurt of blood sp- sp- spreading across the ground uh, as she properly like crushes her to death. There's no coming back from that as far absolutely. as I absolutely.
0: I thought she was gonna um put her pet shogoth onto on uh-huh. onto her to be honest. I thought the head was gonna get removed, but instead she decided that it was uh it was her that needed uh, to do that and mm-hmm. um, to bring closure on Christina Braithwite. We gotta test out your your new arm somehow, really. Uh, Well, I thought it was originally going to maybe be with some pencils or a paintbrush or some kind of coloring pen. Um, But no. But she could have used the the blood red to do a sort of some... A blood picture. Maybe, maybe. Maybe that's that's uh, something that they'll save for next season. (laughs) All these magical tomes are all written in the blood of someone. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So maybe
2: that's going to be one of uh, Diana's new uh, tasks that she's going to follow up in future. Uh, But let's get into discussing the the episode itself. I did love that as the closer. We've gone straight for the closer of the episode because it was a bit of a shocking moment, I suppose. Uh, But let's get into our discussion about the episode itself because we kicked off directly at the start and I had to actually ask John about this after watching the episode where they saved Dee a second time effectively we saw Christina being involved in kind of banishing Topsy or Bopsy from the possession of uh, of Diana where she transfer- translated back into her old self effectively after some magic that Christina had done. This time they now have the book that they picked up uh, back at night twenty one, and then they do this the, another spell to completely banish um, the possession that she has on her and I had to ask John after watching, I was kind of going why is she back into the exact same state that she was at the start of last episode even though they went and got the book and he was saying, uh, understandably I, obviously for some reason I'd forgotten in a week, um, but he was saying that effectively they had called out that she's constantly 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 going to be chased down forever uh, until she's completely consumed and killed by this possession, especially because we know that the person that cast uh, the spell Lancaster is now dead and he can't remove the spell. So the only way to do it is with the Book of Names. So that was why she looks exactly the same as she did at the start of the last episode, which I was kind of surprised at. I don't know why, because we didn't see her look like that throughout all of last episode.
0: So Christina didn't remove the curse. She just reset the curse, uh, which was then D. as we know her. Yep. Um, and of course, she said to them that the curse will follow her to catch up with her and effectively to take possession exactly. uh, again. And so, what we see in that. M- in that time period between leaving the observatory after getting the book of names to being back in Chicago mm-hmm. that at some point uh topsy and bopsy had caught back up with um with D exactly. and had begun to inhabit her once again yeah. uh the thing is with this this spell that happens um from Letty and, and Atticus when they use the book of names to banish that curse um we see D has the curse removed from her body, but her arm is permanently damaged. Yeah. And I think there's really great through this episode. You know, given this is the last episode, that mm-hmm. they spent the time with her and Hippolyta, where Dee is blaming Hippolyta. It's her drawing arm. She's sad that she might not be able to um, draw ever again. Uh, but we we have this kind of involvement of Dee as well in the plans to save Atticus from yeah. Christina's autumnal equinox uh, sh- shindig that she's going to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, I thought that was really nice, you know.
2: It's really important, yeah. Yeah, and
0: I think, yeah, important because yeah. this is the first time these two characters have connected back in since Hippolyta left to go traveling the multiverse. Yeah. Um, and, and Dee, understandably, was wondering where her mom had gone, you know, given. Her dad, George, has died, yeah. given one of her best friends, Bobo, has also died exactly. and or been murdered. So, and, she um, was, and, we, yeah, we, I thought this was really important.
2: Absolutely. And as we mentioned in the episode, she was kind of ignored by Letty and by Tick and, uh, and by Ruby. She kind of had an opportunity in Montrose as well. She tried to talk to them all to tell them what was going on with her. And they all kind of ignored them and were absorbed by their own, by their own selves. And in a way, that's kind of what Hippolyta was doing. We we heard her have that moment of, I am a mother. That is one of my primary purposes. But I also have all of these other things. I am Hippolyta. I am in control of of all of these other things about me. But she made the choice to stay there and then come back to save Dee when needed. Yeah. And Dee's kind of going, but I needed you before then. I needed you to stop this from happening to me, effectively. And Hippolyta's response to her saying, well, I would have come back if I'd known it was going to be, it was this bad. I would have come back earlier. And I love D just responding to her and turning away, saying, I don't care what you would have done. It's what you did do. And you came back and look at me now. Look what happened to me now. Um, which I just think is a, a great kind of closing of that argument or, yeah, or continuation absolutely. of that discussion as to why Hippolyta chose to stay in this other place and live out her life a different way. Even though she could return to help Dee whenever she needed to. But D saying, well, you know, you left me alone basically. So this is how bad it got because you left me alone. So, um, so I did love that conversation. It's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a closed argument. I love that with Lovecraft Country. They're very, uh, very detail oriented, very, very well-written kind of character moments that we have throughout the season. And nobody is a straight down the line, black or white character. Everybody is a shade of gray. Everybody has good things and bad things about them, including Hippolyta. We all, well, I definitely applaud her decision to stay in explore the multiverse and have these amazing adventure, adventures that she has. Absolutely. Just because you're a mother doesn't mean you can't have adventures in your life. But they do still need to call out that she didn't come back to save her child um, at, at the right time, I suppose. So, so yeah. at least she's making it up with her. At least she gets a really cool
0: bionic arm from her mother's adventures, which is very cool. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and she gets a, a, a pet Shoggoth she as does, well yes. from, from Atticus. I think the interesting thing here, what, what, what Dee's um, position and, and what her the 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 removal of the curse what that brings what that shows is how now they have the book of names that um w- the kind of magic um powers uh that they have at their disposal and and in trying to remove the curse they get transported to see uh, hannah and dora and okay. and these this, this moment where uh you have hannah explaining to to atticus that you know Um, He will save everyone um, if if he uses uh, the book and, as we see, himself uh, as that sacrifice, but also... He learns from, uh, his, his mother, Dora, about, um, Montrose and George. And I, I love that moment where she tells him you have the best of both. You have Montrose's, um, fierceness and George's integrity. Yeah. Um, and of course, these all play out really importantly for, for right at the end, especially with the letter that Ascus has written for Montrose. Yeah. Um, and of course, with, with Hannah and also, Tick's great grandmother from uh Tulsa that we saw who gave the the book of names to Letty. Yes. She's back as well and yeah. she knows more than maybe what we knew she knew um from the the last episode, episode mm-hmm. nine. Uh, and of course this all comes together and begins their journey to try and save Atticus from Christina's New spell that she's going to use, which effectively requires Atticus to to die. And yeah. um, I think what I really liked about this episode as well is just how it connected back so many different things. You know, we we were saying about it being an, an, an anthology series mm-hmm. where there is, there is an undercurrent or overarching. Um, story here but it it, you know it went to the museum it it went to the multiverse, mm-hmm. it, it went to Tulsa, but it all had connective threads. And what I really liked here is that this episode really connected back to what you could have described as being a very individual episode. Yeah. And and we see that, I think, most in the fact that they do go back down uh, through the elevator in Letty's house. Mm-hmm. Again, a callback to that episode and the importance of that elevator yeah. and, and the house that she has bought. Um and back to the museum, the 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 chamber right below Titus Braithwaite's and um, statue in mm-hmm. the museum in Boston, where they they call again their ancestors Hannah, Hattie, Dora uh, to bring back uh, Titus Braithwaite here. Um, and this was an amazing scene. Yeah. I thought this was so so good, um, and I even- loved how it. I loved how it played out that they they didn't get him to begin with. You kind of thought okay is he going to really feature yeah. here? And but they they you know the second time they managed to bring him back and get him because they need part of his uh his body yeah. uh for combating Christina's uh spell. Yeah, but I like I love that he
2: escaped after they yeah, after they call him back he escapes he, and uh catches up with Christina in the street, tells her they've got the book and then is pulled back in again to this yeah. circle as they as they kill him and take and take a piece of his uh, of his skin. It took me a while to just recognise what it was that Atticus was cutting out of him. It looks like it's part of his chest because as I was watching it I thought he was cutting out his heart. Uh, to take with him but it, it seems much flatter than a heart unless this guy just doesn't have a yeah, heart <laughs> I think it's just
0: a piece of flesh yeah. Um, ultimately yeah
2: yeah, which plays the part later on uh, as part of the ritual that they're doing where he has to eat the flesh of Christina and of Titus so uh, that was a really interesting one and yeah it was, it, as I say I love that we have all the different generations of the Freeman family including Letty now because you know she's going to be the she's the carrier effectively of the next generation of Freemans so she yeah. is part of their family completely uh, which I love that it is all five of them there so
0: yeah absolutely and yeah. i think that's the important part you know letty is not a freeman by blood yeah. but with the the unborn child the son of atticus mm-hmm. and herself that she is now part of that family tree and yeah. i think that's really really cool yeah cuz really bringing the show to its central themes this episode
2: repeats it on many occasions the show is about family the show is about everybody forming a family no matter where they come from and what their connection is you know we've we talked about it much earlier on in the season about ruby and uh, letty yes they're sisters of the same mother but the two of them really had no relationship or had a bad relationship before um before their mother passed and they still had a bad relationship in here letty tried to make up in some sense with ruby by buying the house and having the two of them live together so the two of them could kind of rekindle that lost sisterhood that they may have had and this comes back here in the final episode we we, they had problems over the course of the season and separated from each other a few times over the season but here over the grave of their mother letty tries to reach out to ruby saying to her i know that we haven't been sisters in the past but we are really family um can you help me here in this task that we have to do to defeat christina knowing that ruby has that connection with christina she's trying to play on the fact that they are family in some sense ruby does push back on it though which, uh, which again another good choice for the show she's saying to her you know you this is just your version of sisterhood your version of sisterhood is i come and ask you i come and ask ruby whenever i need something i ask you to do it for me uh, that's not sisterhood you know so there was that kind of idea that ruby wasn't going to get involved in uh, in this group's final plan i suppose
0: absolutely and But we have Letty say to her, there's something else, and then we never hear that something else. But whatever it is, um, it seems to maybe persuade Ruby to, to, to get that piece of Christina. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, maybe it is not quite so subtle about getting it. Um, or it is rumbled by Christina. Exactly. And that effectively brings about the, uh, you know, one of the huge twists, which you kind of were kind of thinking, you know, as they got into Woody to, to drive back down to Arden County Mm -hmm. and Ruby is with them. You're just there all the time thinking, is this the real Ruby or is this Christina in in the form of Ruby? And again, it's that connection back to that whole episode around that transformation Mm -hmm. here playing out in in, in the final uh, episode in such an instrumental um, and significant way, which I think is just really testament to how the construction of this series in terms of the writing and the episodes uh, that have preceded yeah. uh, this final one, how they all have a part to play uh, in this, from exactly. the museum, from the house, from the uh, transformation um, using the the spell, yeah. um, all through to um, the multiverse, mm-hmm. through Tulsa. And Jaya, of course. And, of course, Jaya. And there's, yeah. that's the other one where, again in some respects this mirrors what's happening with Letty and, and Ruby mm-hmm. and that Tick is going to make his peace or try to make his peace um you know to reconnect with someone that he loved um in in Korea whilst he was there uh with the army during yeah. the Korean War and uh, Jaya then is also another one that is there in Woody as they travel on down to to Arden County. Yeah. That's a great road trip. I love it. I love that, you
2: know, it's one of those things because they could have easily just skipped it. Um, they're not saying anything that's important to the plot, but having everybody in this new family effectively, again, Tick calls out that because of the experience that he and Jaya went through, they are family now. They are connected. They are bound. Even though they may never have a relationship, he understands now that she is effectively, as she says, she is a monster. Um, she's not human, so they can't have a relationship as such. She's with Letty now uh, and forevermore. Um, but I love that he calls out that they're family. But this road trip that they have together, where they where they're on their journey there, and they you know they have as every everybody does on a good road trip, they have a good old sing along. Yeah, they uh, even get Paris.
0: Montrose in on the act. Absolutely. Finally, you can see him kind of going, "I'm not getting involved," yeah. and then in the end, by just. The force of the good time that everyone's having, mm-hmm. uh, singing along, he, he gets involved. Yeah, really, really good fun, really good fun.
2: I guess let's get down to the final battle, like the final showdown. I guess uh, at the end of the episode, John, because we talked about a lot of the kind of lead up to to getting there, I suppose. But I enjoyed how they set up this kind of defensive spell um that's
0: going on where they have each of them uh <laughs> yeah. going around setting everything up we have um i was thinking supernatural with all the salt rings absolutely. in this episode and in yeah. particular the salt ring to eclipse all previous protective salt rings uh-huh. i mean montrose must have been like they must have had about a hundred of those boxes of salt he was going through the forest he was going down the bridge <laughs> This was the mother of all salt rings. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was, I was
2: wondering how they got the Shoggoth, uh with them uh, down there because we saw when they went into the house before leaving, they went into uh, Letty and Ruby's house and went into the into the lift, and you can hear the noise of the shagath. I think underground is that was that the it was in the was? basement
0: because they've got you know yeah. there's a basement and then there's a basement again yeah, and, the then a, and then there's and then there's the the caverns so yeah. you know this is the house with three creepy layers of basement and uh-huh. um, and i think the the Shoggoth was held in the concrete one where Leslie was doing her um developing of her photos yes and um,
2: think so yeah. but
0: i also wonder with the shoggoths if they're able to teleport because yeah. i mean ultimately i just feel that yeah they certainly didn't have the Shogath uh, strapped to the roof of woody and <laughs> um, it wasn't down in the spur tire compartment yeah, so, I so i i think it's just that when called upon when in their their um master or the summoned. person that they're protecting they're, they're summoned yes. uh, and yeah. so Pop up through the ground,
2: so like a cool scene with uh, with Diana being attacked and having the Shoggoth come out and, and help her out, basically fighting yeah. the other Shoggoth, which is just cool. And it, I, you know, I don't know what it is about the design of the of the creature. It really did feel like a stop motion animation type version, like the Ray Harryhausen type. Uh, of style, it didn't feel like CGI in this episode. I don't know. It was something. Maybe it was just a bit brighter on the scene than it had been in in earlier episodes. But
0: I really liked how how it looked. I love stop motion animation. I think it's cool. So yeah, no, it was, and, it and was that really age good. That I enjoy it. Yeah, so, it uh, was really good. I I love the fact that as well. Um, you know, the Shoggoth gets its werewolf moment, uh, with howling to the moon Absolutely. or screaming with its little sort of tentacles coming out of its mouth. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that it's, it, it's something that Dee, um, has ownership of and, um, control that it, it's effectively her pet in a sense because yeah. of it being passed to her by, by, uh, Atticus yeah. here. I thought that was just really really good. It so was cool. I I I like that. Yeah, I mean the Shoggoths have been really just good throughout. It's <laughs> it, it's a nice beast and of course yeah. again calling back to the the Shoggoth attack on the cabin in the woods from uh the the first episode as well. Yeah. But you know, we have here uh, Christina effectively turning the tables on this band of merry men and women mm-hmm. um and with the, the villagers as well. So we, we see here that basically she has gotten wind or she was told by Ruby. We just don't know, I suppose, in that sense. Well, I think it's the warning from her
2: father, from Titus, when Ruby and herself are driving back uh, to the house. That warning sets her on edge and reali- to make her realize that Ruby could be um, untrustworthy. And then when she sees Ruby eyeing up uh, the vial of her blood and, and, uh, and guts, effectively, I think it's, it's, I don't know how she describes it, I can't remember the exact words, but she says it's all, all the pieces of her body that she uses for the transformation. Um, when she sees Ruby doing that because she's been kind of teed up by Titus, that's why she does it. Oh, by the way, yeah, Titus uh, making her gorgeous car crash into a tree and her
0: fly out of the window like Superman. That was, was Yeah, that was scene. definitely like a bullet from a gun. I didn't think they were driving that fast. No, she really did fly out that from windscreen, <laughs>
2: yeah. um, for sure. But uh, well, I think that's what set her an edge, yeah. and That's why she set up her whole plan um, to kind of be able to uh, drive them off track and, and stop their counter spell effectively. Um, but yeah, we got a, b- a bit of a fight between Letty and Ruby, or uh, Letty and Christina in the form of Ruby, um, and Ruby wins. Christina wins. Throwing, yeah, that uh, Letty I was not death.
0: expecting.
2: Yeah, particularly because earlier on we saw Christina take back. The protection spell that she 'd put on uh, Letty to make her bulletproof, uh, we saw her touch her as she was walking out. She offered atticus 's life for the book atticus and everybody else refused and she takes that protection spell off letty so it was one of those moments where you're going did they just kill letty here at the start of this Yeah, absolutely f- These final
0: scenes you know absolutely i was completely shocked when she was thrown from from the tower there in mm-hmm. the village and um i mean it was a great fight first off because um you know letty almost gets the upper hand you know you're there as as christina in the form of ruby is is Dangling through that trapdoor with mm-hmm. that fall below her down down to the bottom of the tower, yeah. um, and you just think, "Oh, stand on her, stand on her fingers." Yeah, um, but it 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 it's completely reversed with yeah as you say Letty being chucked off the top of the tower and seemingly die yeah. there and then. Yeah, I absolutely thought she was dead
2: there but I love the reveal and she lifts up her up her shirt and it shows that she has the marker protection that William had on him. That's when we were first introduced with William and Ruby uh he took off his shirt and had that had those kind of horns that kind of look of the tattoo that he had on him so it looks like they've used the Book of Names to get another protection spell on Letty to replace the one that Christina took away. So I thought that was quite cool.
0: Yeah, because it's the Mark of Cain, isn't it? I think. Is that the protection spell? I remember that's what Christina says to her in the Picture House theatre um, when she first gives Letty that protection exactly. after she hands over the files. Yeah, that's the one that Christina gave to Letty and took away. But this
2: is the one that that William had on him. That's the protection spell, effectively that Christina had on her. I suppose, uh, you know, since they're the same person, uh, that's definitely the mark that we saw on William when he took his shirt off the first time we saw uh, we saw that sex scene on the stairs with Ruby. So um, I remember that from earlier on in the season. So interesting, of course, you know, with the the whole opening up of this. Book of names for uh, Letty and uh, tick to use by going back and speaking to tick's mother and to uh, to Hattie and um, they get all the details of how to use this book, I suppose, so they can now use it with full power which is which is where where they are now towards the end of the episode
0: mm. so. so this was the only thing I was wondering as to why they didn't put the protection spell onto Atticus mm. because ultimately with Letty being thrown off, um, the top of the tower by, uh, Ruby slash Christina. Yeah. And then the roundup of Montrose, Jaya, and Hippolyta. Mm-hmm. um I suppose actually Montrose would have been pretty happy that he'd been stopped by the uh, country folk of Arden County because he was probably, his back must have been shot to bits after bending over <laughs> doing, doing that salt ring. No <laughs> more salt ring. But you know, th- they come back to the ruins of the lodge mm-hmm. where it's all set up for Atticus's uh, death and the spell yep. by, by Christina. So to your question, like, why
2: didn't they put the protection on Atticus? Well, I understood from, and I think Christina's the one that calls it out specifically, this magic always involves some form of death, pain, some uh, body power, something like that. So Atticus does have to willingly give himself over to this in order for them to do the counterspell. That's that's what I understood uh, from it. Effectively, she's trying to take the power herself, give herself immortality, give herself the full power of the book, and he's trying to break that spell yeah. and spread that power of magic to the entire Freeman family and all black people, effectively. So, yeah. uh, and, and, so I, and,
0: and hence why he has to go to his death and sacrifice himself. Yeah. Okay. And I will say... That moment when Christina cuts into
2: both of his arms at the same time, I literally watched the screen and went, "There, well, there's no coming back from that. She's, no, absolutely. She's cut right the way up from his, uh, from his hand all the way up to his, uh, up to his shoulder, um, with a, with a knife on both sides and the amount of blood coming out of him. There's no way to put that back in.
0: Like, yeah, absolutely. And of course, it was that moment where the, the scientist in me was like going, Oh, that rate of blood loss is not going to last very long. <laughs> exactly. And so he, I, he, I think he did last longer than he may, maybe should have done. You know, yeah. he, he held on a, as long as he could for effectively then, um, Jaya coming into the fray here. You know, yeah. here is the importance of Jaya is that she was able. And um, we have Letty starting the counter incantation, mm-hmm. actually, yeah. but Christina is there saying no it's not going to work because ascus hasn't had both he's eaten that bit of Titus. We have that great moment where he's kind of chewing on this rubbery mm-hmm. bit of uh, of titus 's flesh and then he down to what he thinks is uh christina's blood and it needs to have that connection that intergenerational connection of the braithwites mm-hmm. along with his own blood which is also what you know a bloodline of them yeah. through through hannah and that is broken because he's not taking christina's uh blood mm-hmm. in, in that moment but uses her seven tails to connect both christina to atticus so that mm-hmm. then the incantation that Letty is shouting um can actually then begin to work exactly yeah oh the tails out of the
2: eyes again uh, oh <laughs> yeah a, i know such a creepy uh CGI, yeah, it's so uh, good to work. it's kind of cool um but again, as we've been saying all episode, I love that this is tied all the way back to previous episodes. I love that everybody's involved. Everybody has their moment. Everybody has something to do, and everybody has a reason to be in these in these moments to close out this season and and uh, sacrifice Christina. I also love that it's a callback to a throwaway line from the first episode. I think it was uh, with George and and uh, Montrose. Mantra's going, white people have so much power and they have magic too. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, what's wrong? Yeah, exactly. What's wrong with the world? They have everything including magic. And the series ends effectively with that actually turning out to be the prediction of what's going to happen. They've taken all magic away from white people and giving it to Freeman and black people. Effectively, the magic is now within black Americans, effectively. So that's that's a, that's a really interesting one. They pulled that line, that one kind of drop yep, joke, absolutely. effectively, from earlier on in the season into their resolution for the show. So really and,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, we see as well through Jaya that it's it those the memories that she sees as mm. they're connected. So we see uh, what happens to Ruby through Christina. Yes. And um, we see her lying there uh, in... Uh The bed in her basement, yes uh we see that um as well, then with Atticus you see him handing over the power of the Shoggoth to D, we see him uh writing then the letter to Montrose that Montrose gets, and mm-hmm. uh, because Montrose is wanting to save him or and the letter is saying, "You know, you are my father, you're not my biological father, but yeah. you have done so much for me um and again, I like how that connects to Dora right at the start exactly. with, with with Atticus. And that there is this acceptance of who Montrose is, um, and despite his faults, uh, what he has done, even though he may not have understood that at the time of growing up and and having that backhand from, from Montrose, but having seen what happened in Tulsa and that he was the saviour of george montrose uh, there during the the tulsa massacre that's i that's really an emotional piece mm-hmm. um for me and i thought that was absolutely great yeah it was and I, you know it's a good way to tie up um that kind
2: of i that whole storyline with montrose and the the inability of these two characters to connect for so many years effectively they'd fallen completely by the wayside even throughout this season they'd fallen apart from each other multiple times but i like the sentiment in that final kind of line from the letter you may not have been the best father to me but you have another chance being a grandfather yeah. to my son yeah and um, i love that kind of closing out of that relationship
0: as it goes i do want because yeah, he also yeah. says you know be who you are again yeah. reference to him being gay yeah. be who you are be open but don't repeat the mistakes that that occurred between us two exactly uh, and it was it was a really really great sentiment yeah. i thought yeah i do worry about ruby um
2: it took it took a while for me to get it in my head exactly what had happened to her because it all happened off screen to kind of prevent us from knowing that that christina was ruby um but there is a kind of a line that said from christina in the episode where effectively the she has to keep the body alive of the person that she is uh, imitating or uh, inhabiting in in some way. She has to keep that body alive. We know that uh, William was almost killed, or was killed, but is still in a coma, um, something he may never recover from. That's why Christina was on the warpath, wanted to kill La- Lancaster, and eventually uh, accomplished that goal last episode. We know that the body that was used um, for Hillary was found after the uh, burning down of Ardham House, again uh, in a coma and being kept alive. I don't know what's happened with Ruby, though. I don't know whether she's chemically induced into a coma and she's going to be easily able to come out of it or whether it was a crack over the head from Christina uh, where she may never recover from the coma. Yeah. But it does give them options if there is a season two. It does give them easy, easy options to bring back uh, Ruby because of that line that she's in a coma, not dead as such. So uh, so I, I believe she's not dead, Um or at least that's the way the, the episode ended. And that's why we got the flash of her uh, in bed in or lying in the bed back at Christina's house. I think that's why we got that flash, to say that there is a possibility, if they do we get a second season, uh, that we could have her back, because a uh, great character, old Ruby. Actually, all the characters are really good in the show, so I don't really want to lose any of them, but we did lose Atticus here, who was quite a huge role in the show. So,
0: uh, Well, that's it. I mean, that's that's the other brave thing here with this, this show and with this finale, is that, you know, in the same way as George being... Um, killed in episode two yeah. and being lost effectively other than that short return uh, when Hippolyta is in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Again, the fact that this has to be a willing sacrifice that it it's that bittersweet happy ending effectively yeah. in that um, they have set out to do what they had to do to um, change the path of how magic w- was used in, in our world. You know, And that unfortunately meant Atticus had to sacrifice himself. And so, you know, it's that moment where he he's talking to Montrose about him being, you know, the guy with the baseball bat, that fate. So, you know, it's very um, it's very fated here. Um, There there is that. Resignation is not the right word, but it, it, it's, it's, it, it's that acceptance yeah. of the, of, of what needs to be done and what price that will take to do it, yeah. but that it is one worth taking. And I thought that was great to have because, you know, in so many cases, you have this where everyone's saved yeah. and nothing means anything. And this really deepens that emotional impact with the sacrifice of Ascus. And I, yeah. I love the fact that actually, it's left with everything that's happened. It is Letty D Hippolyta and Jaya that that remain here to carry forward these traditions and so mm-hmm. on. And it, it again it harks back to that circle under the museum in Boston where it was Hattie, Hannah, and Dora, yeah. that the three ladies you know um, who had carried uh, this. This secret, this burden, this protection, yeah. that, that, that this um, this objective that they had. Um, and I thought that was really phenomenally yeah. good as well. Really, really cool. Really cool. Just back on uh, the point
2: about Atticus sacrificing himself. Remember, this is to do with what Dora said to him in the vision he had in the Red Room, uh, as I'm going to call it, uh, where he's talking to Dora and Dora says to him, you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. And why wouldn't you? You have to sacrifice yourself for something important. You, ha- you have to not be afraid to sacrifice yourself for something important. And that's effectively the guidance that she's giving him. She's uh, telling him right there, you're going to die. Yeah. But it- you're going to die for something really important to the world. And that matters. Which, which you know, is a really big statement uh, for this for the character and for for the show. So um, that was kind of my final uh, point about the episode. Is there anything else that we didn't cover? I don't really think so. Was there anything else that we didn't cover in the episode, John?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, the only thing um, just quickly to bring up is I love when Hippolyta gives Dee that fully formed uh, and drawn and published Orinthia Blue comic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and shows it to her. And you know, just because it's really beautiful, you know, you see the images taken from D's drawings and made into this, you know, what almost looks like well, is a professional comic book. Um and you you see the D being kind of slightly withdrawn because, you know, she won't she's afraid that she won't be able to draw again because it's the withered arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get that moment as well where Hippolyta opens that door and there's just this kind of bluing. Light, the, the, the sort of whirring and beeping of a machine. And, mm-hmm. and then again, it cuts away and you're like, what is going on here? And of course, just back to the bionic arm, which was fantastic. Exactly. Um, but I, I like that fully formed Dorinthia Blue comic being shown as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also like the touch of uh, of Jaya being chatted up in a
2: bar. Um, That's really funny <laughs> yeah. the guy comes up to her and is like, oh, foreign? are you? Are you Chinese? <laughs> to this Korean lady who's sitting in the room. And then when she responds to him in, uh, in Korean, he's that, oh, you don't even speak English, and takes that as an opportunity to sit down opposite her. Uh, and her response to him is, do you want to die to have sex with me? It's like, <laughs> and then he steps up and walks away, understanding <laughs> yeah. where he's at. We did get a little bit of closure as well on Jaya's story. She yes. did make up with her mother. She did become um, respected by her mother as her own person, not just her daughter trapped inside a camijo or being possessed by a camijo. Um, there is a connection that they had before her mother died, is yeah. what she says. Uh, and the inspiration for her to get involved in the whole piece was that whole witch doctor uh, element at the end of that episode where her mother brought her to the witch doctor and the, and she was told, you will enter the darkness uh, and there will be a lot more blood to be seen before your end. So that's the reason why she knew to step up at that moment when the c- cloud of uh, dark magic was, was enveloping uh, Atticus so uh, yes so I love that, that tied in again all of these standalone elements that you don't know whether they're going to come back really did tie into this yeah last really episode. did it yeah. was excellent stuff really good really good stuff uh, overall for me uh, this episode um, rounded out the series really well it felt like there were so many big stories and big things that were going on in the show and this really felt like the last 20 minutes of a big impressive epic film it didn't really go into any of the day-to-day kind of topics like some of the other episodes have done the the massive amount of racism that was going on at the time how people lived at the time but it did close out the show really well i thought it was a really good capper for this 10 episode season really really enjoyed it Uh, overall john
0: what did you think um for me i thought this was a phenomenal ending Uh, i really enjoyed it i mean i just liked the connective tissue for Uh this ending throughout the, the rest of the series and I I thought it was brave having uh, the death of Asicus. Yep. Um I thought that really gave pack some punch it gave an a weight to why they were doing what they were doing and what they were doing it for which yeah. I thought was great and I, I that's why I'd give this five protective Shogath's out of five and nice. um, I thought this was just really really cool um, ending I, yeah. I think it, it just I mean, it flew, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, again, you could argue maybe there's a bit more required here, a bit more required there. I mean, I, I was wondering, you know, is it just because they have the book of names that they're able to be now fluent in this language, but they have been studying throughout the whole of this series. That's so it. I was like, okay, that that's probably why. Plus they have that moment in what you were calling the Red Room with Hannah, mm-hmm. with Dora, and with Hattie. Uh, so I think... And for me, this was a great ending to a great series. And that's why I give it five uh, Protective Shoggoths out of five. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. As I said earlier on, you know, HBO are
2: knocking it out of the park with their shows. They always seem to They have this uh, ability to create something new and different when the Hood shows and you know last year we covered Watchmen thinking that was going to be absolutely terrible because we're fans of the comic we've enjoyed the comic book we couldn't imagine that somebody would be able to create a sequel to that that stood up to the vision and I think in some ways it's a better translation than we could have possibly expected in terms of Watchmen and now this show comes along I had no idea what it was going to be like. We we're hoping for kind of a horror show coming up to Halloween. We we're hoping for some show that would scare the pants off us. It did that and loads more. It, it taught us uh, tons of stuff we wouldn't have known. That's given us some really good characters, some really interesting stories, things that we may not have known before and some fantastic performances in the show. Wow, the actors in the show are so good. We're definitely going to be seeing a lot more of them uh, in the future as well. So really, really interesting. Uh, Two final notes I have on the episode that I didn't mention as we're going through. The reason why I was calling it The Red Room was because I was really seeing similarities between uh, Twin Peaks, uh, the kind of areas that they go to in their mind where they're taken away to yeah. these kind of spooky freaky red rooms to get information that they bring back to the real world uh, when we saw Tick and Letty go off and uh, give, be given their guidance by Hanan and by, uh, by Dora so I uh, really was like oh we're into it that's cool um, and also the song that they all sing in the car Life uh, Life Could Be a Dream or Shaboom um, is the name of the song uh, done by the chords I could not get it out of my head for days <laughs> after watching the episode uh, we saw this on Wednesday or Thursday this week but couldn't get it out of my after watching it and I was trying to think there's some movie that that's in that, I, that I've heard the song and I couldn't get it out of my head I kept looking everywhere for it finally found out it's from Clue the 1985 comedy movie that they play that song in there I probably seen that, that movie about 150 times. Uh, I've seen it so, so often. So, uh, so I was, I was wondering where it was from. It's from Clue in case, uh, or at least there was a cover version of it done, uh, that was used in the movie Clue. So that's why I had it in my head. But I love that scene. I love the whole family together doing a, a sing along, even with, as you say, reluctant mottoes. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. That is it for hopefully. Only season one of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, uh, who I
0: knows? Have
2: no idea where they'd go next season. There's no, no there's no sequel book been written. There's no uh, further material from Matt Ruff, and the story does tie up very well together here. But there are so many shows that do an anthology idea like um, American Horror Story, like uh, The Haunting uh, TV show, which just came back with The Haunting of Bly Manor uh, last week. A completely different show with the same actors uh, involved, or a lot of the same actors involved. So perhaps they could do another Lovecraft Country Story with some very different uh, material, potentially for a second season. But I've absolutely loved it, Misha Green. Uh, you are a new star to me. I'll be watching everything that, uh, that Misha Green is involved in the future. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Anything else before we go? Want some feedback john
0: no i mean I, I think i think you're right i mean i'd love to see a season two it's the same with watchman but at the same time i absolutely understand how this is a really well-formed piece of tv mm-hmm. and series so uh we may not do but let's let's just watch this space and see what happens um, and exactly. and if nothing else i think bask in the wonder that has been season one lovecraft country mm-hmm. but with that i think let's get on to some feedback of episode nine. Yeah. First off over on facebook on our facebook group where you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries to leave uh, any comments or discussion points on our spoiler posts that we've been putting up there uh, we have donald dennis who says on episode nine what an episode. HBO is getting a lot of play out of the Tulsa race massacre and good on them for shining a light in dark corners. I'm originally from Oklahoma and every time I hear about it, I'm freshly disgusted by the racist jerks, past and present. Compared to some of the other episodes, I didn't feel as shocked or surprised, but wow, that was well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Donald. I, I think you're right. It really did provide a very... um uh, you know whether you want to call it operatic certainly with that final bit it was just very um it it felt appropriately m- meaningful involved personalized yeah. um uh, as well as giving the sense of of the Atrocity that happened in Tulsa to uh, the black community and the neighborhoods there. Yeah. And that it, it, it felt really seminal and important in the same way that what happened with, with Watchmen, um, also in the, in, from the first episode of Watchmen, yeah. uh, sh- as you say, shining that light in dark corners, yeah. uh, those pieces of history that, um, have been forgotten or, you know, even darker have been hidden by um by people um to to prevent you know the tough questions uh yeah so thanks donald yeah yeah i know our friends over in the life dreadful podcast over in double p podcasts
2: uh were are asking the question which is better which is the better representation of uh the tilsa massacre was it was it watchmen or was it uh was it this show and i know for myself um with watchmen i think that part of the story kicked off all of the episodes so it was put together very well it very much felt like a, a kind of a movie quality opening uh, for the show there was big uh, bombastic moments you had the planes flying overhead certainly uh, in uh, in watchmen they they actually did it that way but i think because the character that's escaping from uh, from the massacre is a child i don't think you get the emotional resonance that's in there in this episode uh, of Lovecraft Country in episode nine of Lovecraft Country I think the emotionality of having our three major characters back in this time experiencing it also seeing Montrose seeing what happened to his younger self what he was going through I think the emotional resonance of what they created in Lovecraft Country for me is the better version of of the two put on screen just because they they're trying to accomplish two different purposes one is an entire episode dedicated to showing what's going on and the other one is kicking off a series showing what the starting point for a character.
0: I think we have to, I think we just have to kind of really, from my perspective, just caution against saying whether one is well, better yeah, course, or another. Yeah. I mean, for me, they have different reasons for showing it. And with Watchmen, it was, it was the starting point. Yeah. It wasn't, um, about race relations after that, but within the context of a, of a comic book hero critique and sci fi show, which, was about ultimately um i think had a, had a different view on how they were using exactly. uh the Tulsa massacre and I think it it, it shone that light on on that and yep. it was based in Tulsa i, I think um lovecraft country has a, a, a different reason that's where they lived um mm-hmm. it, it, it's in a different part you know it's it's the penultimate episode where they're coming back to that in, in great detail. Yeah. And it's because people lived and as you say experienced that. And that's where you get that emotional depth. Whereas yeah. because of the children you see the events and um, and that's really it. And the, the the two children that were escaped from that massacre. But then didn't live in tulsa again so a bit like the family but they 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 didn't forget that was the reason why they were going after and different people in Watchmen. so i i I don't think one is better or the other in my mind i think it's great that shows are tackling that and of course they're tackling it in different ways because there are different ways to talk about it. exactly
2: exactly thanks so much for that feedback donald um Trevor Green, also over on Facebook, says, You can understand Tick's anger towards Montrose, but it was so frustrating to see him initially having no empathy for his father, having to return to what would have been the most traumatic moment in his life. It's been a while since the TV show has brought tears to my eyes, but I certainly welled up as we were shown the pain of Montrose's past and Letty being with her son's great-great-grandmother while she burned to death. It was gratifying to see Tick begin to understand his sacri- father's sacrifices and even become the stranger that saved his parents and uncle. I imagine this episode is meant to reinforce a sense of fate and make us wonder if Tick can really escape his... Really, really good feedback, Trevor. Yeah, there were certainly moments of the last episode. I know even on the podcast itself, I was quite emotional when speaking about what Montrose's experience and what happened to him, not only what happened to all of Tulsa, but bringing it down to this individual character who also had the worst moment of his entire life, on the same night as everybody in the whole city in the whole area was having the worst moment of their lives as well. He was having a, another layer on top of that. So beautifully written, but yeah, certainly yeah. Um, talking about sacrifices that his father went through. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things that it would be tough for the show to have Tick instantly forgive his father. And um, part of the makeup of his character is he, he's hated his father for decades for what his father did to him and put him through when he was younger. So i think we spoke about it before i think on the podcast but that idea where a line of dialogue would make a character go oh yeah all's forgiven uh, you know it feels like you do need to have some time to reflect on what you've seen and what you've experienced in order to make your decision how you're going to move on with that other person and we see here from the letter at the end of the episode in the end of the season that tick has had that time to think about his relationship with Montrose and, maybe not forgive him for his past mistakes, but give him an opportunity to prove that he can be a better man now that he's going to be a grandfather and provide that acceptance. I I
0: think forgiveness forgiveness doesn't mean you forget about what's happened. It means that you are able to effectively be big enough to move beyond that and to try and reset the relationship. Yeah. And that it, you know, you're not holding something over someone else for eternity, because otherwise it just poisons that relationship. And I think that's the whole point that um Atticus is doing this here. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you, Trevor. I think, and a bit like Derek mentioned before about the, you know, the, 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 the gradation of people's character. Tick is not the perfect person. Mm-hmm. Neither is Letty. Neither is anyone in this show. And uh, because everyone has that, light or dark, evil, good, whatever side to them. And, and generally, uh, life is very much more complicated mm-hmm. uh, than the um, dichotomy of just pure, they're a good person, they're a bad person. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Trevor and Donald, uh, for for your comments. Um, over on Twitter, uh, our Twitter handle being at TVPodIndustries mm-hmm. uh, will be talked about episode 9 as well. He says... Hattie was actually Tick's great grandmother, which by my calculations, she's in her sixties, which would place her birth around 1850, uh, and is Hannah's daughter. Will be also comes, responds to a question that I had, um, which was, uh, it's called Cream of Wheat, the poster that we see in the alleyway, uh, when, um, D is being cursed by Captain Lancaster. Oh, yeah. The one with the moving eyes. W- the one yes. with the moving eyes. Yes. Um, I, I know that, that there was a, a, picture shown of Cream of Wheat and it actually reminds me of a cereal that we had, uh, here, which still do called Ready Break. Oh, um, and yeah, it's yeah. kind of like crushed up oats and, and wheat and it, mm. it does a very fine sort of breakfast cereal i genuinely never knew what was in ready breakfast no i didn't it looks yeah. like sawdust it actually it that does. is the thing or but, some, or
2: something like wallpaper paste yeah it's
0: like that kind of package but with <laughs> enough sugar on it it uh-huh. tastes amazing <laughs> true <laughs> and I used to put a lot of sugar on ready Brick. I and mean, you had it warm as well, so it was always yeah. the winter cereal. Yeah, it was like porridge yeah. for kids. It was like, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Thanks for that, Well, I don't think I would
2: have known what cream of wheat was. I don't think we sell it over here. No, it's as as, not sold yeah. over here at yeah. all. Some more, uh, more products that uh, we wouldn't have known. Thank you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Will be also wanted to know Does Letty's protection spell extend to anything she is touching at the time. I was mm. confused as to why the Book of Names didn't burn, especially given the fact that we know it burned before. Helena Bates on Twitter uh, was also asking the same. Uh, I was also wondering this, because when Lettie held on to Tick's great-grandmother's hand, it appeared to not burn until she let go of it. I always have so many questions that I don't remember until someone else asks it.
2: Know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Know the feeling, Helena. I mean... Yeah, it the the book that Leslie was holding it didn't burn at all. Um and I I don't remember Hannah um that the book was burning when Hannah was taking it out as well. So whether that is to do with the fact that it is the book in itself is protected. Cause what we learn actually from Hattie in episode 10 is that the, the book was bound yeah. and, and protected after Hannah had taken it away. So maybe that, that binding of the book through magic uh-huh. protected it, or it could just be that transference that, um, cause it can't be something that you touch because otherwise Hattie would have been saved with, with, With Letty holding her hand. If Letty's invincibility incorporated everything that she touched, well then Mm. she was holding. Hattie's hand, yet Hattie's still burnt in yeah. that house in Tulsa. But I, um, I suppose, as Alina was saying, maybe just her hand would have survived the burning, which is so much worse. <laughs> so, yeah, uh,
2: good that she let it go. I, I know, I know what you mean. I think in my head, I was kind of thinking maybe it is the book that's um, the book itself has its own protection because we're talking a book that's centuries old, so has probably encountered various uh, different things that have gone on. You know, you don't want a, a magic book that can uh, that can no longer be read because someone pours a cup of coffee over it. You know, so it's got some kind of protection, probably on the book but you know understandably I, I totally understand the the idea from Will as well and from Alina because effectively Letty is completely protected when she's walking through fire you don't see her clothes going on fire for example yeah. so uh, everything she's holding on to and everything she's touching is protected um from whatever damage is going on around her but that doesn't necessarily mean the book itself doesn't have its own protection i think is, is yeah what was in exactly
0: mind. yeah so thanks uh thanks helena and That's thanks will be for the the comments over on twitter and since it's the final episode of the series that we're t- talking about we definitely
2: want to say a huge thanks to will uh, for all of his twitter comments and all of the uh, all of the elements that he's pointed out to us over the course of the season has been great at uh, picking up stuff that we weren't able to pick up and, and popping us on a message so thanks so much particularly Will, for that
0: Yeah, thanks so much will And. Um, over on our email at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Elaine Graves, uh, let us know here uh, on the Dreadful Podcast the spoken word poem from, from episode nine is called Catch the Fire by Sonia Sanchez. Yes. Um, yeah, thanks, Elaine, for that. Um, what we found was that operatic version at the end was composed by the show's uh, soundtrack composer, Laura Cartman, mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a requiem piece um, of that spoken word poem as its basis. Yeah, there's a great article about that in the LA Times.
2: Uh, Go search it out, just uh, just look up uh, Lovecraft Country episode 9, and they have an interview with Laura Cartman who came up with the concept of turning that wonderful poem into uh into this operatic piece i think john i know last episode because we've got a couple of messages in uh over on twitter and various places again uh telling us what the piece was but um the the piece you liked at the end of the episode the operatic version of the poem effectively was specifically created for the show because they felt uh well laura cartman specifically said having this amazing recreation of tulsa felt like it they couldn't just choose a song from history to stick in there. They wanted to do something, uh, something big. They've been creating score throughout the season between yourself, uh, Laura Cartman and, and Raphael Sadiq for the show. But they felt this episode, the content that was involved in it, felt like it needed a requiem. Felt like it needed a new operatic piece of music to kind of underline what a huge moment in history that was going on. I think they just did a beautiful job. Uh, really interestingly in the article as well in the LA Times, uh, this was one of the first shows I think that's come out uh, towards the end of the season where they weren't able to uh, record the orchestra together. Um, we've seen that in a number of shows now that have been delayed because of COVID and the pandemic where uh, the musicians can't record together. Um, we've seen a couple of shows, I think uh, Star Trek Discovery just came out this week, and that was one of the shows that's, that's done that, but with um, with throughout the process... From uh, For Lovecraft Country, all the score was created by people in their own homes, um, all sent in and all mixed uh, in a studio by by Raphael Sadiq and, and Laura Cartman. So um, they did a great job considering I, did, I certainly didn't notice that it wasn't a full 45 piece orchestra on the score uh, this season. I think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. I, and I think it also really highlights to me that, you know, I, I'm not a fan of poetry, but, of course, music is poetry set to music well, yeah. and, and song. And uh, I much prefer when poems are, are given a soundtrack, whether that is a four-piece band, whether yeah. that is um, solo singers and, and a choir, yeah. or whether that is synths and um, some turntables. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I much prefer it uh, to the spoken would. I'll have to play the Sonia Sanchez uh, "Catch a Fire" version. That's
2: on uh, on YouTube. There is a a video with music added to it as well. and It's actually really, really good uh, too. Uh, so thanks so much, Elaine, for uh, for letting us know. Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, so, Elaine, and everybody else that set that uh, that notification. But thanks, Elaine, you got there first.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Elaine also sent us a, a second message. Um, Elaine said, "Hi guys, this is my second email, and I have to write again to let you know how much I appreciate your take on Lovecraft Country." I really have appreciated your honest praise of the show, a show that means so much to the African-American community. Your willingness to have empathy for our history means a lot. I follow one of the writers of the show on Instagram and I wrote her to and gave you guys a huge shout out for your work and commentary on the show. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to know that there are others who appreciate the work HBO and the writers have put into the show. Again, thanks so much and know you have gained a subscriber, Elaine. Um thanks so much, Elaine. That's so sweet, um Elaine. that's Thank you. yeah, it's really lovely of you to send in um that that message. It's you know, I, I, I think we absolutely, um, do not know everything. We get a lot of things wrong Missouri, and yeah. for sure, uh, but we are willing to, to learn here. And, uh, I think because the, 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 the writing, the show, the actors and um, the, the context of it all has been so incredibly, um, interesting but also uh, emotional and in some ways it weighs heavy uh, on, on on us as yeah. well you know yeah. um and i think uh, we have to learn um, these things yeah, for sure yeah I've
2: certainly spent the last the last 10 weeks watching these episodes i've certainly had so many conversations outside of the podcast and have read so much really interesting stuff and so much more to learn. Uh, definitely. So really happy and really, really glad, Elaine, that you've let us know that that you enjoyed our, our coverage of the show. It's, you know, it's kind of sad we're at the end of the season and we can simply see from the numbers that we get for our podcast. We can see that we were doing the boys at the same time and we can see the audience for that is It's somewhere in the region of about three to four times the audience that we get for something like Lovecraft Country. And we know, you know, HBO is a premium channel in the US and Sky Atlantic is a premium channel in the UK and not everybody can afford those channels. So uh, I totally understand why not everybody can watch it. But it's always saddens me when a show that's as good as this can't get the massive audience that it would get if it was on a cable channel, of course it also wouldn't get the ability to make the story the way that they make it uh, on uh, on HBO. So, um, so it's one of those ones I'd love if there were more eyes on a show like Lovecraft Country. Um, while The Boys was great fun and there was some great commentary in there, there was a there there was some really interesting stuff in there. I think, on balance, this is the show I've enjoyed covering uh, more in a way, even though there's only myself and John on it. Uh, I always like doing podcasts with you, John. Of course. But, um, Why? Thank you. But especially when we have a show like this, I've really enjoyed going yeah, deep into the historical side of it. Exactly. the Boys, there's no historical side to it; it's yeah. its own
0: thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating, and I mean, yeah, thanks, uh, Elaine, mm-hmm. and of course, thank you to everyone else yeah. for you know teaching us uh, certainly a lot of new things, uh, and also bearing with us where maybe uh, we've made uh, a bit of a mistake yeah. uh, or error in, in what we've said. Um, you know, it, it's it's that supportiveness, I think, which is is really nice exactly. and the the interactions that we have with our our fellow listeners um, yeah. are on all of these shows that we do but i think that's really particularly important for something like lovecraft country mm-hmm. which is dealing with a very specific issue that is you know wrapped up in sci-fi and horror yeah. uh, that we um it is how we gravitate towards this you know yeah absolutely you know it's it's one of those things that speaking about racism
2: in the US particularly but you know racism is a, a, a more of a pandemic in some senses than covid is it's it's something that you know we're fully aware of and we we are intrigued in hearing the stories that are being told now uh, and I, we love talking about them so we really really love that that ability but what also is interesting in the show is that experience of Montrose that he's going through as a closeted gay man eventually getting to the point of his own acceptance by the end of the series is something that specifically hits us, you know? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's something that we can speak to. It's something that we can talk about as well alongside learning all the other stuff. We're also able to talk about our own experiences throughout the show. So really, really good that the show's been able to uh, to hit us like that as well. Yeah. Thanks so much, Elaine. Really, really appreciate it. And again, thanks to everybody else that's been sending in your feedback throughout the season. But really good. One person who has been sending in audio feedback throughout the season is Steve Steve Brown. And he sent in his feedback on episode nine.
1: Hey, John and Derek, this is Steve. This is for Lovecraft Country episode nine. I hope it records this time. My phone is having some sort of issue with recording voice memos at the moment. But um, in case you're wondering, I did not rewatch episode eight before this one. I wasn't going to watch those creepy kids again. I couldn't do it. Um, But a couple of quick things about this, this episode that kind of stood out to me. Is I think it's interesting that this is now two TV shows that we've hit, we've seen uh, the depiction of the Tulsa uh, Black Wall Street um, race massacre, race riot, whatever you want to, uh, whatever it's it's called, um, twice now. Watchmen and then this show. So I think that's interesting, and uh, so it's 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 good that we're seeing these things and we're being reminded of them. Um, but also, I, I think it's interesting, too, that no one thought that Montrose would be, it would be triggering for him to go back to that, even though they needed him. But at the same time, you know, uh they probably weren't thinking about that in 1955. And it's interesting to hear when you listen to the HBO com um podcast official podcast but where they talk about these kind of things about the writer's room and how they discuss that we that they were really trying to put themselves in the mindset of 1955 people for this Uh, other two things that I really really love I love that we heard the story the I got you kids story earlier in the season now we get to see Atticus be that guy also it's kind of cool that uh, even though it wasn't mentioned earlier but Letty got to be the stranger as well that kind of uh, saved, some, uh, saved them. So that was really, really cool that the two of them played into that future. And uh, I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts and your guys' talk of this episode. I think it's queued up next in my, my podcast player. Okay, uh, next episode, ah, season finale. Uh, are we going to get a season two or are they going to wrap it all up in one episode? I guess we'll see. Talk to you later. Thanks so, so much, Steve. Yeah, we had the same
2: question. Um, Feels like all wrapped up in season one, uh, but you never know what's going to happen in the future. Um, Yeah, really interesting points there, Steve. Again, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Why would they not have thought that Montrose might find it a little bit difficult going back in time to that awful night in Tulsa you know like effectively when he arrives back doesn't he walk out of the room and just stops dead in the street going I can't go with you um to see what's going on this time again I can't relive it you know and he
0: hesitates uh, going through the the rift as well you know that you can you can sense the emotional turmoil Uh that he is going through uh, in that moment and then there it's not just the reliving which was hugely affecting for me Mm -hmm. but it's also reliving it with Atticus there um so yeah it was yeah it it, it was really a great bit about the episode it really gave it that emotional depth and connection to Mm -hmm. what happened in Tulsa and personally for
2: for montrose exactly exactly thanks so much once again steve hopefully you're going to send us in your feedback on the last episode of lovecraft country yeah thanks steve Next time on TV Podcast Industries, we're going to do our roundup of Season 2 of The Boys, talking about our final uh, pieces of feedback on that show. I think we're going to come back on Lovecraft Country again one final time. Um, If you want to send in any feedback to us when you've watched Episode 10 of Lovecraft Country, email us to feedback at Industries.com and we'll come back in a couple of weeks' time uh, and record an episode just with any feedback that you may have uh, on the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on the show, but otherwise... That is the end of Lovecraft Country Season 1.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If his fingers crossed for a Season 2, potentially. Yeah.
2: Or fingers crossed for another show as good as this. Yeah, if, exactly. If HBO that can, can produce a show like Watchmen last year, and then this this year, something else next year. Let's see what's on the horizon for them. Uh, it was interesting. I know Steve mentioned about the official podcast. It is interesting when they talk about the writers' room for that. It's two and a half years ago or more that they were writing the show Lovecraft Country in the writers' room. Um, So that kind of gives you an insight in if they do get a commission for a second season, right now if they haven't been writing on it it's going to be about three years before we get uh, the second season of that show so um so that's just a little bit of insight in it it. Uh, maybe we'll get something else hbo have been known to produce some great stuff uh, on their channel so maybe we'll see something else next year Uh, meanwhile we do hope you stay subscribed to the podcast you can subscribe to us at tvpodcastindustries.com or any good or evil podcast catcher just search tvpodcastindustries.com and we will be having some uh, new shows coming up uh, when we get into november thanks so much for joining us we'll see you next time
0: yeah thanks so much fellow dreadfuls for joining us Uh, again it's really really great to discuss these fantastic episodes of lovecraft country with you we will be back again soon with more podcasting Uh, but until then remember keep watching keep listening and take care of each other Bye.
2: bye bye